Hey everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that. And we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not going to be the podcast you want to listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels because we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine because it's five o'clock somewhere. And let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminary. All right, everybody. Welcome back. Happy Thursday. I am so glad that you're joining us. And I am here with one of my girlfriends, Amy, who I have known. Amy, how long have we known each other now? Two years, maybe? Could it possibly be two years? I think it's two years. Oh my gosh. It feels like a lifetime when you meet good friends. I was going to say, is, it, is that a bad thing if it feels like a lifetime? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no, I mean, it, it feels like, like I've known you forever. <laughs> it feels like you know all the things about them and you can say whatever you want to and it's comfortable. Oh my gosh. And here's the cool thing about Amy. She's super smart. Um, she's my smart friend, like really, That's really nice. smart. Yeah. Um, so Amy's a persistent, obsessively curious problem solver and advocate who runs her own company, helping other business owners avoid costly legal and risk pitfalls. You remind me of, um, what's that movie where he's a, uh, an insurance risk? What, do you know what movie I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. You don't. So. Oh, oh, where the guy's like sky jumping the whole yes, time. Yes, it's like a comedy to... where he has to assess. What about Polly? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Is that is that you in a different sense? <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, I don't do that. Like he assesses. He's an underwriter for an insurance company, so he assesses people's risks and then tells them how much their insurance is going to cost. I don't do that. I tell people how to decrease their costs by continuing to do the same things they want to do, but how to manage it so that they don't end up in lawsuits and they don't end up killing people or you know whatever it might be. So it's it's in the same sort of vein, but it's different. How did you, I'm the, I'm the attorney who tells people, okay, you want to do this. We're going to figure out how you can do it. Not, no, you shouldn't do that. It's too much of a risk. From a business perspective. Mm -hmm. Well, and from a legal one. So people want to do something and they come to me and say, I want to do this. How do we do that? I don't sit there and say, no, don't do that. It's dangerous. I help them figure out how we're going to do it. And how did you get into this? Uh, I'm a litigator by trade, so I saw everything from the back end of terrible litigation. Mostly I concentrated on construction and motor vehicle related collisions. And so I ultimately started, I differentiated myself very early on in my career because no attorney was ever doing what I was doing and people were not giving me the evidence that I needed to best defend them during the litigation. And so I ultimately started going to the scene of collisions 
managing the sites for my clients, um, which means first responders, media, sequestering the drivers so that they don't say stupid things like I'm sorry or, um, or things that they're not authorized to say on behalf of their employer and could later be used against them. And even first responders write things they're not supposed to in their reports or say things that don't make sense or aren't relative, but have weight in the litigation later. So those kinds of things, photographs, measurements, all of that. And then ultimately I became certified as a preventability person in New York State. I hesitate to say expert, but that's not what it is, but I was certified to rate them whether they were preventable or not preventable. And that gives you a really different perspective on when a collision happens today, it really happened because something occurred six, seven, eight, nine months ago, a year ago, two years ago, whatever. And I'm really good. I'm such a good digger and I am so authentically curious. I do figure that out. And so um, literally in my last four years of litigation practice, every single case that I had was preventable. Mm. And many of them were fatalities. And that's not okay with me. So I started my company to stop that from happening. That's great. And you've had the business for how long? Almost three years. Holy cow. I know. That's how long, that's how we know how, how long yeah. you've known me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. That's crazy. And of course this, um, as we are both sitting at home, quarantining ourselves, um, enjoying drinks here uh, on an afternoon, um, a somewhat <laughs> sunny afternoon, we should say, um, you do have noise deafening headphones on. And this is because you have people in your house, as do I, <laughs> mm-hmm. do generate some noise. So when you're not, when you're not doing all that smart brainiac stuff, you're raising how many kids and managing a household? So we have three children. We have two bookend girls and a boy in the middle. So he's doubly cursed as the only boy and the middle child. <laughs> um, they are 13. He just had a birthday. He just turned 12. So I have 13, 12, and 10. So the kids are, my oldest is was 18 months old when my son was born and he was 16 months old when my youngest daughter was born. So I had, and you always, you always wanted to be a mom. No, never. <laughs> I didn't tell you that ever. No, I never wanted to be a mom. Oh, well, I know. <laughs> oh, you're being, you're being sarcastic. Yeah, no, I did not want to be a mom. Mm-mm. So I had three under three. That happened. That was a the thing. There was a lot of F-bombing that took place. I was gonna say, were their kids' first words? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I don't know if you've seen that quarantine video where the mom's videoing the girl and says, "What are you doing?" And she's drawing a picture and she says, "How many days have you been at home now?" And she turns and looks at her and says, "Too fucking many." <laughs> and she's like seven. My uncle sent it to us and said, "Here's all the Cote kids." <laughs> it's hysterical. It was a good one. So a girl, a boy, a girl, all three under three, and now they're getting into their teenage years. Yep. Mm-hmm. Has it just been blissful and amazing the entire time? Yes, that's exactly a, the accurate description. Motherhood is just such a special joy. <laughs> it's such a special joy. Actually, I'm, I just said to a friend this morning that 
I am enjoying the slowdown. We are definitely not on staycation at our house. I'm working harder than ever. My clients need me more now than ever. So, so I'm working hard and at the end of the day, I'm exhausted. So there's no room for, oh, let's go hiking or let's paint the living room or let's build a deck. Like all the things you see all of these people doing where I don't know where they're getting time for that. Like that's not happening at our house. So, um, but we are finding that we are able to do whatever. So we're playing games at night or we're watching movies. We actually finished last week or the week before we watched all like 26 or 27 of the Avenger movies, all the Marvel movies. We watched them in chronological order, <laughs> which is very, it's very interesting by the way. Um, those are not my favorite movies. Uh -uh. Some of them are pretty funny, but which I appreciate the humor. Um, but watching them in chronological order was much more interesting. So, you know, we've done stuff like that, but I am, I said to my girlfriend this morning, I'm, I'm happy for the pause because my oldest daughter was starting to get into that thing where she's 13, she's in eighth grade, but she's three and a half inches taller than I am. And I'm, I'm five, five. So I'm not like a total shrimp, but you know, she's just like a human, you know, she's like an adult. And she was, she was, she made the JV basketball team this year. And that added a whole element of teenage influence to her life. And that starts to create a divide between a mother and daughter sometimes, especially when you are not similar humans. And she and I are not. I am a very different human than she is. And so my youngest actually is my replica human. Who is? My youngest oh, okay. daughter. Dad <laughs> was like, she, man, now that I've given her some of the, I'm gonna, I'll give her like her similar type. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, so, so I have that one, but, um, so actually my sister jokes a lot because my niece is me and my oldest daughter is my sister. So she's like, how did I, my niece, my sister's older, my niece is older, obviously. Um, in fact, my niece is a senior this year in high school, but, um, my sister always says, how did I end up with you as a kid? I'm not supposed to have your kids. You're supposed to have your own kids. Why is she you? And then I had Ada and she was like, oh my God, you had me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so as she's sensitive and all the things, plus you add to it that she's a dumb 13 year old and you know, all the things that go along with that. And they're so dumb. Like they're so brain dead at this age. And so, you know, and then, and they're so dramatic. I can't handle the drama. Don't even the drama me. is a problem. Janice, she's 11. Don't tell me that yet. Oh my God. Yeah. The drama is bad. So I say all of this because during this time where, you know, we aren't playing 78 basketball games right. and we're having time to sort of reconnect on a different level, you know, we're baking together and we're doing these other things and we're having a lot of fun and laughter. And it's not like that every day, every moment. I was going to say, but, I'm, <laughs> if you could, you could see my face. I'm like, really? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, we, I mean, but so I appreciate it because I had, I had literally said to people when basketball season ended, because she she played 70 plus basketball games this year because we were not anticipating that she would be asked to uh, to try out for JV. And so she was already signed up for travel basketball and we kept her in it. And so she played 70 plus games, which is a lot for a person in general, but it's also a lot for an eighth grader and a family of three with these kids in all yeah, you're different directions. So I had literally said to somebody when basketball ended, I wish I could press pause on the clock because 
it's happening already. She's starting, like, she's going to hate me. We're not going to get along. It's going to be nothing but fighting. And then she's going to go through high school and off to college. And it's going to be until she's 24 that we can reconnect on an adult level again, where she'll wake up one day and be like, oh, my mom is actually really smart and I like her. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the age. That's that magic number. It's like 24, 25, where you start to recognize your parents are actually valuable people that you should sometimes ask advice for and sometimes listen to it and so but you don't have to so are you telling me between 13 and 24 yeah they're out it's like i th that's my opinion i think they're out at that point unless you can recapture them in and i am not that mom that's like best friends with her kids and you know all of that like it's i'm the general they're the soldiers right so not friends <laughs> So I'm not the only one. Right. Oh, yeah. Because I know so many people who are. And I think, too, like, it, so you've got two girls and a Correct. boy. I have one girl and one mm -hmm. boy. Did you have any brothers? I did not have brothers. In fact, James, my son, is um, one of only three boys in the whole family. He's one of only two grandsons. So we actually have more multiples in our family than we do boys. Okay. And I had a sister. And then here comes Dominic, right? So yeah. mm -hmm. it's funny because when I got pregnant with him, I was like, I don't know what to do with the boy. Like it was just my sister and I. Um, yeah. And I have a lot of family, but they're, they're not all in Rochester. So they're not all local. They're all over. So we didn't mm -hmm. see each other as frequently. Um, and I think over time, the dynamic of raising girls and boys is very interesting. Oh, it's very interesting. And in fact, um, you have me thinking about it now. So like my, when my family here, my nuclear family here and extended family here is all my mother's side of the family and they had all girls. And so, but my grandmother ended up having a boy, um, when my mother was 13 years old and my aunt was 10, she got pregnant and had a boy. So she was 41 when he was born. It was totally unexpected. <laughs> yeah, totally unexpected. But of course, you know, different times than whatever. So she was very thrilled and elated to have him. And it's really interesting now because he was named a junior and then he had a daughter and then he had triplets and it was two girls and a boy. And so the boy is a third. Um, so all of the boys in our family, are totally doted on, like 100% doted on from my uncle all the way down. Like they are the golden children that can do no wrong because there's so few of them. And it was so special. And my aunt and my mother, they were never asked to babysit. They will tell you that a thousand times. My grandmother never asked them to babysit, but they just loved my uncle so much. He was this cute little baby. And they were, you know, when they were at the age where babysitting was a thing for girls. And so they were all into it. And they adored him and did all kinds of things with him. And then um, he was six when my parents got married and or nine, I don't know. He's nine years older than my sister. So he was, he was like eight when they got married, but he was six when my dad met him. So my father has always thought of him as a younger brother. And so they're super close, but I had a different response when I found out I was having a boy. I was actually excited because I thought it would be way easier to manage a boy as a child and that I would get along with it instead of my fears of fighting with another female. The way mm -hmm. I saw my mother and my sister do, because my sister's older than me. And so she was 
she went off to college. I was still in elementary school. So when they were, when she was in high school, they fought all the time. And I thought, I don't, I don't want that. And that was me. I was the oldest and my sister was four years younger. Um, and I'm more headstrong, more independent, more sassy, um, which I know you probably don't believe any of those. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, but my mom and I always fought so that when I found out I was pregnant with Gianna, I was like, oh, here we go. Right. Like I can already imagine. And it's, it's already started. Yeah. It's, started. it's a lot. Boys are easier in that sense. So, you know, I grew up because I was with girls, all sisters, like we were just told, of course you can do that. Go do it. And, yep. you know, it was different. I don't know if your parents are younger than mine or not, but like when my mom was pregnant with me they built their house here in town and um my mother even though she owned her own business and made money was not allowed to be on the mortgage and so yeah like and couldn't have a credit card unless she had it through my dad like it was the thing like women were in a different place and that was just mid-70s so like it wasn't that long ago you know and it's kind of scary and so we were raised like you go do that you go do that because my mother always was wanting more for herself that wasn't available. And so she, anything that was available to us, she would do it. So I've always had this this attitude that anything you can do, I can do better, right? And it was very interesting to me. If you had asked me when I was a kid, if I could do any of the things the boys would do, I would say that anything you can do, I can do better. I mean, when I was a Girl Scout, we went along with the Boy Scouts. So we did survival camping. We didn't sell stupid cookies. We went survival camping. Um, Right. I would have believed that there was no physical difference. I did believe, let me correct. I did believe there was no physical difference between men and women until I had a son. When Ada was born and she was like, you know, I don't know, however old they start wanting to do that. Like we had, I remember specifically trying to teach her how to jump. And I joke, but it's almost pretty true that he came out of the womb jumping no one had to show him. He just started jumping all around the place, like very different people. And so, and physically you see this difference. And then, you know, also he's just a bit more sensitive. Like he's, he's my, no, is he? Yeah. James is, oh my God. I come home from work or even now I'll walk out of the office and they'll be like, how was, how was your podcast, mommy? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'll just casually mention like, oh my God, I feel like I have so much to do. I got to do this and this and this and this. And he'll pick like the dishes and go empty the dishwasher. Oh, yeah. yeah. Or he'll hear me yelling at Gianna about the fact that I've had to tell her 82 times to make her bed and she still hasn't made it. And he'll just quietly go make his bed. Almost yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm learning from your mistakes, but he's, I don't understand. He's my huggy one. He's my snuggly one. I cuddle with him before bed. He gives me 82 kisses. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know. And it's hard for me because I don't know if it's girl, boy, firstborn, second born, yeah. right? Like if I had another daughter and she was watching my interactions with her older sister, mm-hmm. would I get the same type of response? That's why I never really know, you know, yeah, is it yeah. a girl boy? Have you ever, have, have you ever read the birth order book? Oh my God. I feel like I did, but I kind of forgot it, but I feel like I so did. That book is amazing because it actually talks about the fact that I don't know, it's something like 89% of like the world leaders, including all presidents were either the firstborn child, which of course male or the firstborn male in the family. And then sort of the smallest percentage of that is they might've been later down the line but there's such a giant divide between the two kids that 
or however many number of kids, but trying to divide between the next oldest and that kid that they have all the firstborn traits. So I actually bought that book when James was younger and I was struggling with how he was behaving and whatever. And I was like, what is going on with this kid? I need to read about it. And people sometimes read it to understand like their bosses or their clients. And I should probably go back and reread it now that I'm saying that, but yeah, he's, he's, he is different. Like, you know, Ada followed all the rules when she was old enough and we took her out of the crib and to put him in it. So she's, you know, 18 months old and we take her out of the crib or I don't know, we probably did it before. I don't remember, but definitely when he was born and I put just the rails on her bed and the gate at the door because her room is on the second story. I told her, don't get out of bed. Don't even walk around in your room. Don't get out of bed until you call mama and I come get you. She never got out of that bed, Gina. Not once. She never got out of that Seriously? bed. I swear, I swear to God. No. See, Gianna, bing. She used to fall asleep with her hands underneath the door. <laughs> so that like, if I had to open the door, I was like pushing her away from it. Oh my goodness. Green bloody murder. And I'd be downstairs folding laundry almost as though nothing was happening. Yeah, no. On the floor. Out of her bed. Yeah. So James is always out. Like he's out doing whatever. But but he's the kid who like, you know, he comes home when he used to come home from school. He'd do all the things, you know, put his backpack away, wash his hands, yep, take out his away. lunch, do yep. his homework, have a snack, play piano, do his drums, practice his baseball or whatever. And then come to me and say, so do you have any chores for me, mama? Is there anything I'm supposed to be doing? And depending on what I'd say, either go do it or go do, and then he'd say, okay, can I have free time now? And I'd say, yep, you're good. You checked off all the things on the list. I kid you not. I had this conversation with Gianna yesterday because she had come over to me because she, she, first of all, she got up, didn't brush her teeth, didn't put on clothes, didn't make her bed, didn't have breakfast, but then kind of started coming at me with all these things she wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I'm going to give you just a little nugget of advice for the rest of your life. It's called schmoozing, right? So if, if you think that you want something, you need to give someone, you need to give the other person something they're looking for as well. Mm -hmm. So for instance, you could come to me and say, hey mom, I made my bed, I brushed my teeth, I did my ELA homework, um, I've got this left to do and I'm planning on doing it here, here, and here. Can I go do X, Y, and Z? Your chances of getting a yes are much higher because you, you explained to me all the things that I already wanted you to do that you've done. Mm -hmm. She was like, huh. And I was like, yeah, like this is important so that when you finally come to me and want what you want, and I look at all the Rolodex of things you haven't done that I've reminded you of 82 times, chances are it's going to be no. And then you cry and get mad at me. And like, it's a cyclical pattern. I just don't understand. She doesn't get it. I don't understand. I don't, I don't know. I mean, they're so self-centered at that age anyway. Like the girls, especially they get into sixth grade and they're just, it's all about me, 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 me. So they can't understand, I guess. I don't know. That is so true. I said that too. I'm like, you are a selfish little person. Yeah. I'm like, they just, they just are, they're sort of wired to be that way. And I do keep reminding myself of that with Ada because I definitely want to be cognizant of the fact that she's like, they're kind of like just big dodo birds walking around. Like, <laughs> like they're just out looking around for food. Like, has Ada gotten her period? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. See, and Gianna hasn't yet. So then sometimes she'll just like be wigging out and I'll just start laughing. And she's like, what? Yeah. I'm like, oh, because you're going to get your period. <laughs> you play that all the time. Yeah, it's probably true. 
It's like the only way I can calm myself down is by thinking, I'm going to blame it on our hormones. Well, it's true because the boys are definitely less hormonal. I mean, I can tell you it is pretty much sleepy and grow with them, right? Like that is what they do. They sleep. I say that to him all the time. You just sleep, eat, and grow. And there you go. Like the kid eats way more than I do. He's as thin as a rail, by the way. And he has been that way since he was born. We've never had a chubby baby. All Jay ever wanted was a chubby baby. And we had these little twiggy children because they're all just <laughs> thin and tall. And he'll probably, I mean, Jay's six, three. So James will probably be that tall also, but um, he's, it's just very interesting. I mean, when he was four, I, I remember explicitly sitting in the doctor's office and saying, um, do you think he has a tapeworm? And the doctor looked at me and kind of like stifled a laugh because then he realized I was being serious by the look on my face. So he kind of like was like, you know, snorting or whatever. And I said, well, I'm at, he said, why do you ask? And I said, well, because he eats a lot of food and he was four so at that point it wasn't more than me but it was a lot and he said it doesn't go anywhere look at him he's a little thin skin and bone bag and he said yeah he's got a really good metabolism we'll just keep an eye on it to make sure there's no problem but no he doesn't have a tapeworm so then as time has gone on they've continued to watch him and you know like when they're 10 I think they start doing the iron test or whatever in their blood and like all of that's totally fine he's good so they have no concerns with him, but it came up again. And I think when they're 10 is when they do also the um, BMI test. Mm-hmm. So they were able to tell us he has 0% body fat. And so, oh yeah, zero. And this year actually was the first year he's ever had the flu. And we took him in and he got, he did test positive in January for flu B. And the doctor looked at me and said, you have to, I don't care if you go buy a bag of marshmallows or whatever it is, he's got to eat because he had lost like three pounds and he wasn't vomiting or anything. He just wasn't eating. And that's, that's how I knew that he was really sick was when he wasn't eating. But I tell him all the time, like your job today is to sleep, eat and grow. Like That's your job, you know, or whatever. And so he, that's what he does. But the, you know, now do you have your girls doing stereotypical girl stuff in the house and, you know, your son doing, you know, the stereotypical boy things um no pro- like do your dear girls mow, do your girls mow the lawn and does your son bake he does bake occasionally he does enjoy it he doesn't like it when they help him and he definitely doesn't know you know all the tricks to the trade like they have picked up on or that i know and they haven't learned yet but he does like to bake um he he's responsible for taking out the trash so i guess that's traditionally a male role Mm-hmm. Um, he does, he does the bird boxes. So he, they, this year they've taken that on. So we have, we have several acres and we have seven or eight, seven, I think it is bluebird boxes on the property. So he takes the four reeler and is responsible for doing those, but the girls are helping him with that a little bit now, I guess, cause that's a dirty job. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, I don't know. Lucy's job is to fill all the toilet paper tissue everywhere. So she's got to go around to all the bathrooms once a week and make sure everything's stocked up. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, see, well, the only reason I think of that is because when I was being raised, like I was mowing the lawn and my sister was cleaning the gutters. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't have a boy. So my dad needed help moving wood, splitting wood. Yeah. It was like, grab some gloves and let's go. Yeah. Um, I remember at one point he taught me how to change the oil in my car. Obviously I'd forgotten, but I remember learning and thinking this is worthless. I'm going to pay someone to do it, but whatever. Yeah. Um, 
I learned how to change a tire again, not, it's, it, it's, not, it's interesting you but, say that though, because like he, I mean, you know, the kid is like so easy. He's not high maintenance at all, really. Um, but just recently something came up about laundry and Ada asked specifically to be taught how to do her laundry like last year. So probably like within the last six or seven months, she's been doing her own. And he brought his laundry down and said, mama, will you do my wash? And I said, would you like me to show you how to do your wash? And he kind of was like, not really. Like if you're going to do it for me, why would I? But that, that's but that's a boy, right? Like I, the other thing I do, so I'm kind of writing a book about this because I was in such awe of myself of being such a full believer of we could all do the same thing. And then having this proof in front of me of my own child who was so very different physically that I started keeping notes because I kept finding myself saying things. So I finally just started writing it down. And so I, it's probably going to end up more like a chapter somewhere rather than a thing, but, um, the title was called, the title of the book that I'm working on is called Wink and a Smile, and then in parentheses underneath, Shrink to Fit. And it's because boys get away with everything with a wink and a smile, and girls are always shrinking themselves to fit whatever they need to be for whatever situation. Hmm. So, and I've said that since he was little, because he would literally, he would walk into a room, especially with the whole family where there's we're all big bakers. So there's, you know, seven cakes and five pies and a variety of cookies, like for one meal, like a Sunday night dinner. And, right. you know, the girls walk in and they want to try stuff. The boys walk in and they want a sampler plate. And the women immediately are to the boys and they don't even have to get up and walk in. They could be over on the sofa or horsing around outside. And it's, oh, would you like a piece of pie? You know, do you want four slices of the cake? And I will tell Gina, it's difficult because with him being as thin as he is, I'm always like, yeah, eat the cake, eat the cake, you know, whatever. Would you go ahead and eat it? And with the girls, of course, you know, it's just genetically, I guess, more difficult, right? And so it's hard to not be that way. But even in school, we noticed it. He'd, you know, race through his homework and it's minimal compliance, right? They'll do the least amount of work to get by. And the girls are like, let me erase that and write it over 17 times because my handwriting wasn't perfect. And, you know, the boys are like, can you read it? Because if you can read yes. it, I'm not writing it over. <laughs> See, now I, my son is just like that. Uh, how fast can I do it so that I don't have to do it again? Mm-hmm. Um, my daughter takes her time with her schoolwork, but I wouldn't say it's legible by any means. Um, we're on, we're on day three of cleaning our bedroom. Now she does not have a sprawling estate by any means, but day one, she got done. And I was like, yeah, uh, I don't, I don't see much difference. Um, yesterday we just cleaned, which ended up being reorganizing. And I, it's one of those things like if you reorganize it, then maybe it looks cleaner. Kind of like if I move the food around on the plate, it looks like I ate more. Um, and finally today she wanted new clothes and I was like, here's the deal. I'm not getting any new clothes for you until you clean your room. And this is what I mean. And you go through every single drawer in your closet. Cause I'm pretty sure there are things in here that you should have worn when you were three years old and put a pile of donate and keep. And by the way, I don't know what's in the corner here, but can we like, <laughs> assess this? cause I think there's something growing. Um, and that's what she wanted to show me right before we got on this podcast was like her next version 
of cleaning her room. Oh, excellent. It's like a slow moving progress. I just, it's like, sometimes I'm like, are we like the other day I looked at them and I go, I don't get paid enough for this. Mm -hmm. I don't get paid enough for this Mm -hmm. because I mean, as we're all quarantined from home, I find I am consistently cleaning, emptying the dishwasher, Mm -hmm. cleaning and emptying the dishwasher. Like that's what I felt like. I went down and vacuumed them out the floor the yesterday. They got a cookie, walked around the entire kitchen while they ate the cookie. And I was like, are you serious? Yeah. Clean up the crumbs. So then they pick up like four crumbs, but miss the other 10 that are over here. It's just, it's incessant. It's obnoxious. Oh my God. It is so nonstop. All we do is cook and clean and load and unload the dishwasher. Mm-hmm. And you know, you have the kids do it, but then you walk by and they put like four things on the top rack. And I've tried to, I told them by the end of this whole thing, they will know how to load a dishwasher. Gianna's break broken two wine glasses. <laughs> By putting them on the top shelf on top, like it's, it's obviously full, right? We're, right. we, we're at capacity. Yep. So if you put it like horizontally on top of two bowls, like somehow she felt like broke it. Yeah. Oh, Second one. I looked at her. I was like, I know what you can get me for my birthday. Yeah. Six pack of wine glasses. You know, I just would have been thinking about this though, with all of the kids, regardless of whether or not they're boys or girls, I think part of it is that They've started to realize like what's important to them and what isn't and loading the dishwasher is just not important to them and they don't care. So it's important to them later on when they pull the spoon out of the drawer that it's not coated in peanut butter gook from having run through the dishwasher with covered in peanut butter and come out with now it's crusty peanut butter. They won't use that spoon. So it's important to them in that moment, but it's, but they don't, it's not important to them to load the dishwasher when that's happening. Yeah, but they'll pick another spoon or they'll put it, they'll put it, they'll put it, back, in, put it back in the sink and another spoon. Right, they'll take, an, they'll take another spoon out of the no. drawer. They'll, yes, that's 100% what they will do. So I do, I do try to like cut myself or cut the kids some slack when like they're doing something like that and I get it. Because for me, like there are some administrative tasks that I don't want to have any part of for my business or for the household. And that's why you have team members, right? Whether it's your spouse or whoever else. And I keep trying to explain that to the kids. Like we're all part of the same team. And so some days you have to do things you don't want to do because it might make it easier later. And then other days you get to do the things you love to do. So like they love cleaning out the bird boxes because they get to drive the four wheeler. So they'll do that all day long every day if I ask them to, but there's other days where, you know, you got to water my pots or you got to, Pick up dog poop, like whatever. Or load the dishwasher properly. You guys can't see, but Gianna walked in and as, as Amy said that, she goes, and I'm leaving. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, this has been awesome. So what's the uh, 411 on this book that we're creating mm-hmm. or in the process of working on? So it started out as that whole thing because there were just so many obstacles as a female and a male dominated career. And so that was sort of lending into it. And literally I found myself pulling information out everywhere. So whether it was an article I'd read or a podcast I'd listened to, or, um, you know, a newspaper, something or other, or an ad that looked not quite right. I was collecting all of this stuff. So I started to write that book, but then it definitely started to lean itself toward more of, um, 
the family members, the women who've lived before me and my ancestry, because they were all very resilient. They were all fighters. They all, every job I've ever had, Gina, I've been the first person to have it. Hmm. I mean, everything. So even, I mean, one example is when I went, I went to college at the University of Wyoming and my first year there, I borrowed my roommate's car and drove out to the literal end of town and at the edge and went to the game and fish office and said, Hey, I'm here to work. And they said, we don't have any jobs. And I said, that's okay. I'm here to work. And they said, no, we don't have any jobs. And we did that for a little while. And then they said, well, are you a student? I said, yeah. And they said, we don't have any internships. I said, that's okay. I'm here to work and learn. And they said, we don't do that. And it was because they didn't hire women and, and they didn't have any of those things. They didn't have, inter- so I did it for free. Hmm. And all along the way, they were constantly trying to do things like, you know, they had me pull a tooth on an elk at a stop or um, a warden stop to see if people had licenses when they'd come down the mountain with their carcasses and they had me pull a tooth and afterwards I found out it I didn't know because I hadn't been educated on it yet it was a yearling and you don't pull a tooth on a yearling but it was because they were trying to pull a joke on me to see if a I would do it and b if I could do it and then you know see if I even knew it was a yearling and there was another day like we were walking in the mountains in the snow and the snow's up to my chest and I'm carrying this big radio pole we were tracking down bear and those days it was not like it is now it's this big giant antenna that's heavy and the guy in front of me walking he gets on the radio and his shoulder and he's like yep she's still here like (laughs) it was really so like and that's you know just who I am and I hope that's coming out for my kids whether they're boys or girls but so the book has a lot more of that sort of happening in it now so it's just it's sort of expanded into a new kind of a thing because my family on my dad's side came over on the Mayflower so there's a lot of they've been here for a long time I like the title though so I feel like you got to try and fit them into different chapter like each chapter a different like a different part of your life almost like chronological of you know your ancestry and then kind of all the way through to what you're seeing with the kids yeah yeah I think that's probably I mean as I continue to work on it and collect information that's definitely sort of how it's looking to be segmented but we'll see we'll see you know there's again no staycation here at this house during COVID-19 so there hasn't been tons of time to write the next American novel but you're not painting and you know doing all these household improvements you're not building a deck by yourself no I don't know where these people are getting all that time from I'm working more now than ever and I'm not doing any of that stuff I'm exhausted by the end of the day yep I hear you I hear you and you add you add kids to that regular day, and it's even more it's exhausting. Training. I hear you. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking time out of speaking of being so busy. Thank you for taking time out of your day to chat with me. Of course, I love talking to you. This has been fun, and you have the cutest shirt on in the world that I most definitely want. So I'm I love this shirt. Find it. She's got this little shirt that says "Honey Tribe" on it. And what does the bottom say? It says your tribe attracts your. I'm sorry, your vibe attracts your tribe. I love it. Very cute. Well, listen. You charmer. I love it. Have a great one and we'll talk soon. All right. Love you. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye. Hey, tribe. Thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but... Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. 
Make sure you kick some ass today. Love you.